o'clock on Wes and Walker. It's Walker Mail. Wes Bryant. Getting rough in here. My little back down. Josh Fitty Marlowe. Are you ready to run against a wall and just slam your shoulder into it? Yeah, man. Let's go. You feeling crazy? Come on, man. You hear back down. It's time for some action. I don't know if Fitty's feeling that way. We're not. Look. I'm not feeling great. I think Fiddy is feeling a lot worse than I am. And in order to help him with the kind of remedy, Wes did a great thing in going back to his ACC digital network offices and finding a source of cough drops to help Fiddy. And Fiddy, helping himself, decided to pull out a fudge round that he had saved for the show. And this is after eating an oatmeal cream pie for breakfast earlier today. Is the fudge round or are the cough drops helping you get better more so? I, I think it's 50-50 because I need some sugar in my body because I ain't going to lie, guys. I've got uh, I've got low T. And I'm only 26 <laughs> years sugar old. sugar helps with that. Yeah. Okay. You know, I don't want to have low testosterone. So I, I swallowed a fudge round during the break. I've got at least 15 cough drops. Three Tylenol packets and some Mucinex over here. I'm my own pharmacy. It, it With all of the sniffling and the coughing, I can now smell the cough drops. It, like at grandma's house. It, in it, it is so like you are <laughs> sick watching prices right at grandma's house because right. you're staying home from school and mom and dad got to go to work. It smells like that in this studio right now. Should we put on some prices right to make you feel a little more comfortable? Yeah, man. A little matlock. Nah, absolutely. Either that or a good soap opera because I used to be a soap opera guy back when I would be home from sick or be home from school sick. I wasn't afraid to throw on. I was a As the World Turns fan. But, you know, I'll watch some General Hospital, some of those. I I had to watch General Hospital if I stayed home just because my mom liked it. So what I remember... It's General Hospital and Days of Our Lives. Young and the Restless, I think, is also a soap opera, but yes. I don't know too many one soap operas. the opera. longest running one. Do you like soap operas, Wes? No, I've never been much of a soap opera guy. Now, I say that probably if I sat and watched an episode, I'd probably get sucked in. But you're not seeking it out? No, no, no. Because I only remember watching a couple of those when I would stay home from school sick. But that was about it. And maybe we can put that on the TV so Fiddy can feel a little bit more comfortable. You can text us 704-570-9610. Uh, DJ Skinner, he wrote in. So Fiddy is about Fiddy Fiddy right now. That's what he that's fitty, how fitty. he's feeling. Came yeah. back from the break uh, playing uh, a little Fiddy. But uh, yeah, I had to take care of my dog. A little so-so, 100%. And I appreciate you for doing that, getting some And I do the drops. same for you, babe. Thank you. Uh, that's a couple times that people have referred to me as baby in the last five minutes. <laughs> I know you'd like that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Fiddy referred to me as baby a little bit ago. I don't know what's going on, but our relationship is absolutely growing stronger by being referred to as baby a couple times. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. They lost both games over the weekend. They lose to the New York Knicks. They also lose this past game trying to bring up the opponent they just most recently lost to, Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid. Probably the worst possible matchup for this team. And granted, Joel Embiid is a really tough matchup for every NBA franchise. But if you were to put a list of all the teams he would destroy most, I think the Hornets would be number one on that list. And he goes for a 50-burger in that game against Charlotte because the center rotation still is not anything that you feel great about. I was talking about this on Lockdown Hornets earlier today. Nada joined us, Doug Branson. We're all talking about the center rotation and how Nick Richards should have been able to take a stranglehold on that starting spot at this point. But his pick-and-roll defense has not been good. Philadelphia exploited the hell out of that. Yes, James Harden, Joel Embiid, one of the harder pick-and-rolls to stop. But really, you put Nick Richards out there for offensive rebounds, and that's kind of it at this moment. Because he's not playing with a whole lot of physicality. 
And even if you feel like he's stronger than Mason Plumley, he's not playing like it. And so Steve Clifford deals with Mason Plumley 30 minutes a night. And then you go to the bench. Kai Jones can't do that because he just doesn't know where to be on the floor at this moment. I saw Nikias Duncan tweeting this out after he pickpocketed a New York player on the perimeter and then slammed it home. You come back on defense, and despite him like shooting an air ball from the three from the three point line, he's third back in transition. No reason that you should be shooting an air ball and then be last in transition defense. These are still some of the problems that Steve Clifford and this Hornets team has to deal with, Wes, because the talent level isn't near what it could be with some guys back, and they also have a pretty young roster. Well, the thing that you run into with the bigs, too, is in any sport, bigs, big men, motor. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things. It's like Nick Richards, he's a very smooth guy, very laid back. That motor, in my opinion, isn't always burning as it should be. And the guy whose mo- who's motor does burn the hottest, in my opinion, he still doesn't quite know what to do yet, and that's right. Kai Jones. Yeah. When Kai Jones gets out there, he's a ball of energy. He's bringing it. He's playing hard at both on both ends. And I got to give it up to uh, to Plumlee as well. Now, he, he gets a lot of complaints. Defense isn't always great. But, you know, he, he gives you every ounce that he has when he's out there in terms of just rebounding and just trying to – play hard, but the Hornets, like you said, they just don't have the bigs. And then with, like with Richards, you want to see a little bit more fire from him because he's tailed all P.J. Washington is another guy, you know, kind of runs hot and cold. And the defensive rebounding from P.J. is really tough, too. I think some of that is him being on the perimeter as well because they're losing so many backcourt players. If you think about the injuries, they're all to the ball handlers. They don't have any big man injuries except for Mark Williams, but he wasn't getting playing time anyway. So it's not really affecting the rotation. It's all the ball handlers. It's Dennis Smith Jr. It's LaMelo Ball. It's Cody Martin. And it's Gordon Hayward. Those are the guys that make things shake on the offensive end. And even defensively, Dennis Smith Jr. and Cody Martin, huge losses defensively for this team. So it's really relying a ton on guys expanding their roles to probably a place that's uncomfortable. It's why I think P.J. probably has expanded what you expect him to do. His efficiency hit all-time high last year, 47% from the field. Three-point shot went a little down, but not too bad, and he was shooting a lot better inside the three-point arc. This year, he's taken step backs. He's taken pull-up threes off of the dribble. You have to lean on him to score a a little more, and the efficiency goes down. What it says to me is that this is someone that's probably your third, fourth offensive option that can help you out and take over on some nights, but not on a consistent basis. And it's also a mentality. Like, he has to want to be rugged, want to get down there on uh, on those boards for the Hornets to understand that his team, you know, is costing them games, some of the deficiencies mm-hmm. in certain situations uh, when you look at rebounds because they've actually – improved in rebounds per game. Last year, they were 12th in the NBA. This year, they're 6th, and they're top 5 in the league in offensive rebounds per game. And that's what's but helping them most. Yeah, that's what's inflating yeah, those stats. But it's key junctures, like we said, at the end of the Clippers game when they're not boxing out, getting those key rebounds that it's costing them. But the Hornets just need a little bit more ruggedness down there in the paint. And when you talk about a guy like P.J. Washington, that's what you want to see from him, just him 
having a mentality that, hey, I'm going to crash these boys. I'm just going to leave it all out here. Share your Hornets thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. That's what a 980 number did. And I completely agree with this text. They said the Sixers game wasn't even the problem last weekend. I was at the Knicks game, and that was awful to watch. Mitchell Robinson alone out-rebounded the team. There's no reason to get ran off of your own court by the Knicks, and yet the Hornets did just that. Tough to watch right now, especially with all the injuries. For sure, the injuries, that's a problem. Mitchell Robinson is a good center. I know that he's always been floated out there in trade rumors, but he's a good NBA player. I really like what Mitchell Robinson can bring. You're right, though. Nick Richards is one of the best offensive rebounders in the entire NBA. That's not a hyperbole. It's just, man, where is that same thing on the defensive end? Yeah. Box somebody out. This team is really bad at that. They're really bad at finding a guy and blocking out, not letting a certain player get the basketball. Because in their mentality, sometimes when players get used to that sort of play, they ball watch and then they go after it. When in reality, the first thing you need to do is put a body on somebody on the opposition and then find the basketball. They're not doing that. So these offensive rebounders for the opposing team, they get a full head of steam. They get some momentum. It's hard to deal deal with that from a standstill position. And then they get the rebound. Defensive rebound numbers are poor again. That That's the problem. So going back to this text, the New York Knicks game, that was a real issue, right? And I think that's why Steve Clifford had this sort of messaging after the game discussing and emphasizing that they absolutely could win. Here's more from Steve Clifford uh, from his message after another loss, even after that Philadelphia loss. My message after Friday was that basically this, you know, until we get our guys back, do we have a playoff roster that we're playing on the floor every night? No, we don't. We can play playoff type basketball, you know, which I thought we did at the beginning of the game. But in the first half, it was the fouling transition defense, you know, that has got us in trouble. And those are things that that just speaks to discipline of play. So that's the stuff that we're going to continue to work on. That's how you get better. Steve Clifford keeps emphasizing three things, right? Defensive rebounding. You did not hear that in the soundbite. The next two things you did, getting back in transition and not fouling defensively. Mm -hmm. There's another soundbite from Steve Clifford discussing every time you swipe at the basketball as a defender, the officials are going to see the erratic movement, and most likely they're going to call a foul. Wes, you have a son that's playing basketball right now. He's not any older than 12 years old. This is still youth basketball. I remember in youth basketball, I was told not to do that. And I'm not trying to say, oh, these guys need to get back to the fundamentals and get back to old school. But it's true that that is preached throughout every single level of basketball that you play. Sometimes there are different tricks to the trade. Instead of swiping down, sometimes you pop up, right? So you go under with your hand, pop the basketball loose, maybe not as effective, but you don't get a foul called on you. Also moving your feet, staying in front of your man, being able to block out. So you know what? Maybe you get a foul called on the other guy for going over the back. Those different types of things allow a team not truly talented at this moment with all the injuries to get back in the game a little bit. And that's not what the Charlotte Hornets are doing. I think that is most leading to the frustration from their head coach. Well, you remember the old phrase from the Michael Jordan commercial, you reach, I teach. Okay. And that was, that's what happens a lot of times when you do reach because you're out of position. And so that's your last gas effort. But I think he's right in that if they can come back and fix 
you know, get a little bit better on the offensive end because when you look at the offensive numbers, they're shooting the same amount of shots, but a lot of things have gone down. When you're talking last year, they were 11th in field goal percentage. This year, they're 28th. Then when you talk about the three-point field goal percentage, the most glaring, they're tied for 28th after being sixth last year. But defensively, there are some good things. The Hornets are leading the NBA in opponents' fast break points. They're also eighth in opponent three-point field goal percentage. So they're defending at a decent rate, yeah. but they're not getting the turnovers as much last year. They're just not shooting uh, the basketball as well. And, and that's also, a huge problem, too. Yeah, and also the fast break points. You know, this year they're 18th as the last year they were second. So, uh, But defensively, there's some things I think to like there. It's just that, as Coach Clifford said, they need the guys back that can put the ball in the basket now, and get the ball moving like um, Carmelo. I mean, Carmelo. Love Melo. <laughs> <laughs> now, you brought up Michael Jordan. Steven Jackson brought up Michael Jordan over the weekend, too, yes. and told a phenomenal story about a time when he played for the Charlotte Bobcats and Michael Jordan decided to send a message. I won't tell you. Steven Jackson instead will tell you that story. So I was playing in Charlotte, right? The first year I got there, we got to the playoffs for the first time. And it, so MJ loved me for that alone. Right. But when I first got there, it was kind of rocky. You know what I'm saying? I just got traded there. So we got our ass beat by somebody. And... uh he came in the locker room after the game just going off on us like we need to get our shit together, right? And I made some little comment or something like that. He ain't say nothing. So he came to practice the next day. Back on that shit. Mm. Yeah, y'all think y'all did something? I'm six. Oh, he's like talking about all his accolades. Take my shoes off. Because, yeah, you know, he had gave me his, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't just talking to me. He was talking because everybody had his shoes off. But he had yeah. gave me a deal and all that. Yeah. This shit kind of directed to me and Jerry Wallace. Yeah. We, the, we the leaders of the team. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he going off. Going Mike told on. you take his f***ing shoes off. Take his damn nail. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look at all the all s*** out of the dust. Y'all went to the, I'm just going off on his right to the point where he gets on the second team in practice. And we lose. You lying. You ain't losing 50 years old. Mike suited up. Was Mike. Listen, listen, this was in 2010. Mike suited up? Dog, he, whatever he had on, he came out there, got on, got on, well, pushed against the guard, whoever Gerald Wallace was guarding, the three guard, kicked him out and got in that spot and played with the second team. My second team wasn't scrubs now. Oh, he, he scored a couple points and to the point where he talked so much shit afterwards, he grabbed the ball and went dunk one on the way out. There are so many different things that we need to talk about from that soundbite. And we are against the break, but a couple I want to talk about. Steven Jackson loves Gerald Wallace. He did not mean to do this, I don't think, but he abso absolutely threw some inadvertent shade towards Gerald Wallace when he said he took over the three spot on that second team to the point where Gerald Wallace, one of the better defenders in the NBA, I think an all defensive selection for Gerald Wallace, one of like a handful of players ever to average two blocks and two steals a game in the NBA, which is absolutely ridiculous. Michael Jordan beat the first team in what seems like a time that Gerald Wallace was defending Michael Jordan at 50. Michael Jordan, I believe, was born in 1960. Mm -hmm. And when he so that would have been 50 year old Mike suiting up with the second teamers and beating Captain Jack, Gerald Wallace. And yes, the Bobcats can catch all sorts of insults for a lot of different reasons. I am not defending that. That particular team was fresh off a playoff appearance. This is not one of the worst Bobcats teams of all time by any stretch. In fact, yes, because of the sadness, it's actually one of the best. And I think that's why Steven Jackson was quick to point out it's not like second team was full of scrubs. I think Sean Livingston was on that squad, so a pretty decent backup point guard. We would see have an excellent career with the Golden State Warriors. 
I do think shortly after this, they would trade Gerald Wallace and they would do the whole tanking thing. But unbelievable, man. Like, the stories are kind of true about Michael coming back and just giving it to dudes that are still in the NBA. You think Mike was like a superhero, though? Like, he had to go off in a cut somewhere after he did all that and apply the icy hot and the ice and do all that stuff after he had went out there and played like that? Yeah, I, I absolutely <laughs> agree with went that. Went off in the cut, you got that icy hot. Yeah, NASCAR Brad saying, <laughs> specifically, yes, Michael Jordan was born in 1963, specifically. So, yes, in the early 60s, being he was basically 50 years old and was still... <laughs> beating the Charlotte Bobcats, suiting up for them. I do want to get back to some of those things that he talked about with the Charlotte Hornets. We'll also get to Second Take Tuesday Defensive Edition. That's still to come on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. admit I've not done a good job as a host and before you give your reasons as to why you think I have not done a good job as a host I have not pounded the text line like I should for the mailbag segment that is coming up because that is something we did want to do we did want to open up a mailbag for you guys to be able to ask us any question you want to we were trying to figure out what segment would be good at 145 and we decided to send out our work to you guys. If you want to text in the, on the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610, you can ask us your question on the text line. Instead of that, though, we'll now go to the guest line and welcome Jim Selenia, who called in during the break. Jim, how are you doing, man? How are you doing, babe? Hey, <laughs> I'm doing well, Jim. What's on your mind? You know, I did not know just by saying babe, that was just the way I talk kinda, you know, and I did not know it was promo worthy because when I was raised, when I was coming up, the word babe was all over the athletic field, the sports fields, particularly in baseball. You know, hum babe, hum babe, hum babe, hum babe. My dad was a, a Hall of Fame fast pitch softball pitcher and his his catcher said babe all the time. But anyway, I guess it's kinda like a yeah. You know, Maybe it's maybe it's lost its luster. They just don't say it anymore. I don't know. Oh, look, it, it, I guess it's a different time, and I didn't mind it. I actually, I embrace the term of endearment. It is. I thought you just went into again, like just significant other mode when you hang up the phone. Sometimes people will catch an inadvertent "I love you" because that's how they hang up yeah. the phone when talking to somebody, a family, a family member, or a loved one. And I thought I just kind of caught that when you did call me, babe, because I don't hear that from a whole lot of listeners or anybody else that calls in. But it's okay to be different, and I appreciate you calling me, babe. Yeah, okay, just say Sunny and Sure said, "I get you, babe." Yeah. Wes, I got, <laughs> Wes, I got a question for you. Wes, uh-huh. if you could. Put- if you could come back, let's just say, if you could come back, the same player you were coming out of high school, and with the with the full knowledge of the NIL now, where would you sign? Clemson. Today? Where would you sign? Clemson, no question about it. I went there for a visit with ACCDM when we went there to hang out, just their facilities, their program, everything. I like what uh, Dabo and that program represent, especially the way that they really focus on guys' careers after football as well. They really do a great job in giving guys head starts on that. But just the football experience you get there, the academic experience, because I watch a lot of their their football vlogs, and just the, the, the whole experience, I'd go to Clemson, no doubt about it. As soon as they offer, I'd be like, yep, coming. <laughs> do, do you do you miss the pancake block? Do you want to you you want to bury somebody every now and then? Oh, for sure. When people get on my nerves, people I see in traffic, you know, different things like that. People, people in the studio yeah, that might get on yeah, your nerves a little bit. Yeah, people that annoy right. me, I just want to just fire off 
get my hands inside that chest plate, <laughs> drive, 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 and then just bury them and take that, know. babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how much you think you'd get in West in the NIL today? Um, uh, who would I might sponsor be, you? I might be a. I might be. I, I'll be modest. I might be a five figure guy. I might, you know, get 50, 50 bands, something like that. Modest, a fifty, a five, a 50 five bands, figure guy. Yeah. Bands. But you know, going to Clemson might up the value. Do some local car commercials, maybe a restaurant or something like that. Burger. A hundred percent. I yeah. think that's exactly what you should do. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, go back and do it if you can. Hold and, it down, uh, baby. Hey, I'll get to your mailbag there, babe. Oh, we will indeed. That's Jim Selania, the great Jim Selania calling in, and we appreciate it. We'll call it the Body Works Plus guest hotline and give Body Works a shout. Plus, you guys, again, can text into the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. We do have a couple questions coming in. You can ask us whatever question you want to. Whatever. Fiddy wants to hear more about my aquarium. He mentioned that during pre-show. People can ask about the tank that I got. We can ask Wes a little bit more about what he would do if he went back into his playing days. So, again, ask any question you want to. We'll be happy to answer. Uh, well, I guess not any question you want to. <laughs> yeah. But there is, there's levels to this. Yeah. And then we'll do our best to answer some of that. All right, let's go to Second Take Tuesday now, the defensive edition. Brian Burns did have a tough outing in Seattle, did have half a sack, did have a QB hit, but not nearly as dominant as he was against the Denver Broncos. What do you think this does to Brian Burns going forward? Is there any reason to change your view after what happened against Seattle for Brian Burns, Wes? Well, when you look at it, five and a half sacks over the last five games, it comes out to uh, you want it. The, the thing, the reason I pose that question is because when you look at the guys like like a Bosa or you look at some of the, the premier guys of Michael Parsons and things like that. I feel like they still kind of impact games even when they can't get sacks like because they're getting so much coverage from the offensive lines, but they're still being disruptive, still getting in the quarterback's face, still blowing up guys, redirecting them to the other side, you know, if it's a run play and things of that nature. So that's what made me say that because I didn't feel like Burns had an imp because I know stats on everything. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can still impact the game without making any statistical contribution at all. But I was just like, I didn't feel like Brian Burns was in that game. If you get my drift, like I'm saying, I didn't feel his presence in that game and that's why I said does this worry you just a little bit that even if he's not getting a sack or not making a play that you still don't that you didn't necessarily feel his impact on the content it was noted quite a bit on the broadcast that you had not called his name out all that much whatsoever and then yeah Brian Burns eventually able to put some stat on the board but certainly not one of his better games on the NFL season we'll start with you Wes what's the first defensive uh play that you wanted to go with second take two well the first play again and again don't want to be too obvious as far as the play but the jc horn interception but i'll point out the fact that he possibly could have scored on that one if he doesn't lose his feet right there on that cutback it looked like he had blockers in front and plenty of room to get that thing into the end zone so just then the panthers ended up paying him off anyway but you go back and look at that as far as how the contest could have ended up and football is so situational. What if the Panthers don't score right there? What if they do come out with three? Or what if they turn the ball over on the next play? I thought J.C. Horn, great interception, great instinct shown by him in that zone. But just saying that, man, he really had a chance to take that thing to the crib because I can't remember the last time this defense has scored. But I know that would have been a huge coup for them if they would have been able to get it in the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go to a defensive play that happened 
um, just inside the second quarter. And this is when the Seattle Seahawks were down 17 to nothing. If Carolina gets up 24 nothing, then that's really going to be the game. But Seattle came through big time on a couple of third down pickups. And that started with a third and five at their own 38. The big pass deep right to Marquise Goodwin. Mm-hmm. There was broken coverage and they didn't have any pass rush until the very last moment. Then you see old 53 coming around the end. It just took way too long for him to get there. But right before he finally gets loose in the backfield, Geno Smith lets it fly. Marquise Goodwin wide open for a 38 yard gain. What that did is it allowed Seattle to stay in the contest again. 17 nothing. I mean, you're already fighting for your life as soon as the second quarter hits, but they picked up that third down conversion attempt. No pass rush at all. That drive saw a few big plays and two big time third down conversions. So I did think that was a huge, at least that was, that was the type of play that didn't allow you to turn the channel, especially if you're just a fan kind of casually checking in that gave Seattle some life. What's your second play Wes? Uh, my second play, I will go to the fourth quarter, 13 on nine at third and 10, the Shaq Thompson sack. I feel like he was excited to be back home, not getting to go up to Seattle to play that often. I'm not sure if he's from there, but I know he played football at Washington. And then, um, you know, but that third down sack, I thought it stopped uh, Seattle's momentum because at that point, the game was still there for them to get. And I thought that that was a big sack to uh, shut down Seattle's chances of really making this thing tight and making it go in their favor. So I'll go to a third and eight conversion attempt for Seattle with 35 seconds left to go in the first half. This is again allowing Seattle to stay in this game. So Geno Smith on a third and eight conversion attempt, he passes short right to also again, Marquise Goodwin pushed out of bounds at the Carolina 12, 15 yard pickup. They picked up three third down conversion attempts on the final scoring drive of the first half. There's your area of improvement. When you look at Carolina, as I've mentioned, they absolutely were not flawless. Even if the defense played pretty well, they absolutely were not uh, flawless in this game. You allowed them to pick up three third down conversion attempts, especially at the end of the first half when you could really put them away and gained a lot of momentum heading into the second half. But instead, Geno picks up a big third down, big third down, boom. Third and 10 with a goal to go. DK Metcalf gets loose in the end zone. Geno Smith hits him for for a touchdown. That goes to 20 to 14. Huge swing, right? Like Carolina, 20 to 14, instead of it being 17 to nothing, 20 to three, Mm -hmm. something like that. So huge plays that Seattle made on offense. Geno actually deserves some credit there to remain in this game. That's the second one I'll go to. Third and maybe final one for you, Wes. Uh, When you look at it again, just I'll just get a couple of plays. I think that... J.C. Horn, you know, really establishing himself in this game as far as just in a big spot and people just seeing what he could do. Just some of the athletic interceptions that he made. Yeah. Uh, you know, that could have been. The one in the end zone, he made an athletic play to try to grab that one. And then the one that they had to do the review on on the sideline, maybe if he could have gotten possession and got those toes in there. But he just really kind of showed you what he's capable capable of and what I thought was arguably his best game as a Panther. Well, and see, to me, 
I, I left that game feeling great about J.C. Horn, but I didn't think it was one of his best games. He did allow, I think there were six receptions he, he allowed. Yeah, he got, well, he gave up four for 66. He gave up four, three to okay. 49 to uh, Metcalf. But he made a couple of great. 17, yeah. But he made a, a, a couple of great plays. Mm-hmm. The, the reason I leave that game feeling all the much better about J.C. Horn, because you are going against a monster like D.K. Metcalf, who was a really hard matchup for a ton of different corners. He did, the, the interception that he had, and also Tariq Woolen, when he made that play on the target to D.J. Moore, in the first quarter, Mm -hmm. both of those cornerbacks came off of their coverage guy and made the play. And I think that speaks volumes to their instinct playing defense. J.C. Horn being able to do that, come off of his guy, and then be able to go get that football, huge play. And I think that kind of speaks volumes about their ability to play that spot. Last one for me, I went with a couple of bad plays for the defense. I'll go with a good one here. Geno Smith, when he was sacked on a third and 10 conversion attempt in Seattle territory, gave them a six yard loss. You mentioned that was a split sack by Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns. So you did have that from Shaq Thompson. But right after that, Carolina, that was after the turnover on downs. And then the Panthers would score on the next drive. So Carolina goes for it on a goal to goal situation. Ben McAdoo, Sam Darnold, whoever, they decided to throw it four times. And that was another opportunity where Seattle could have taken advantage of and get right back in this game, even to be right there with Carolina, take the lead. They stop Seattle. Carolina scores a touchdown on the very next play. I think that was a huge sequence with the score being 20 to 17 at that time. So they just stood up to the occasion. This is another thing, right? Carolina did not allow this to get out of hand, and they stepped up in a lot of those moments to not allow Seattle to get back in that. Yeah, they understood situational football, and like any good or any situation where you come out with a win, you're going to need a little bit of help, man, a little bit of lady luck, however you want to put it. But the Panthers, I said, and as you said, they made plays at the right time to get out of there with the victory. And on the road, you definitely need uh, every play you can get, obviously, but especially some timely ones and sometimes some lucky ones. Fiddy, I don't know how much film review you did with this game, but when you go back and you look at some of your main takeaways, what was some of the storylines that you thought were really pertinent watching Carolina, Steve Wilkes, getting a huge victory over Seattle on their home turf? Frankie Louvu was everywhere on Sunday afternoon in a game he where was. Brian Burns wasn't. They were able to neutralize him. You got to get, you got to tip your hat to Seattle, but Louvu was just an animal, and he's had some moments like that this year where he's been the best player maybe on that side of the ball, including with Brian Burns and J.C. Horn, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way that defense played and their win at Seattle on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, if you look, Frankie Louvu had that sack, two tackles for loss. And how about Marquise Haynes? Brian writes in 704-570-9610. Let's give some love for Marquise Haynes for showing up big with another sack. He seems to have timely ones. Marquise Haynes, even even against Atlanta, Marquise Haynes was able to get to the quarterback late in that game. Or there was another game, too. I, I keep forgetting what it was. But two in a row where he did an excellent job. So that is a situational pass rusher that has really carved out a, that. a nice role. So, yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, I was just going to say, living up to his moniker is a situational pass rusher. There you go. Great minds think alike here on Wes and Walker. All right, that'll do it for Second Take Tuesday. We still have more than an hour to go. Really, the next half of the show still to come. We do want you to text in some of your questions. It can be about anything. We've already got a decent amount, but we want more. We'll pick the best ones, and then we will answer them on air. You can text us 
Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Let's go first to the Fitty Flash, the second one of the day. What you got, Fitty? Yeah, guys, we did not get to this during the Hornets segment. Some big NBA news came out this morning as they redesigned all of their big award trophies for the end of the year, most notably with Michael Jordan now being named the regular season MVP award. You have the Hakeem Olajuwon Defensive Player of the Year award, Wilt Chamberlain for Rookie of the Year, John Havlicek for Sixth Man of the Year, George Mikan for Most Improved, and Jerry West got the Most Clutch Player Award. Which is a new award entirely, not Mm -hmm. renaming it. This is just something they're introducing. What did you guys think of all the redesigned trophies, the guys that are being honored as the NBA is trying to, I guess, spice up their awards at the end of the year? Yeah, a couple ways to feel about this. I like the NBA honoring the players of our generation and guys that are even older than me, right? I don't want to forget about Bill Russell trophies, about some of the, well, George Mike and not exactly of our generation. He was way long way, ago. Way. But the fact that Hakeem, the fact that Michael are getting a couple of these awards, I think that's pretty big to honor some stars that were a part of the 90s that even leaked into the 2000s a little bit, not at the peak of their powers. But I think it is good to have some familiarity ushering in a new era of NBA fans. At the same time, I just hope we're not going to completely abandon the deep, deep history of the game. I don't think that's what the NBA is still doing. You're still honoring Jerry West. You're still honoring George Mikan, Wilt Chamberlain for Rookie of the Year. So at least they have that type of mix in. At the same time, I know you're not a huge fan of the design of the MVP <laughs> trophy for Michael Jordan. Yeah, I did not. I thought it was trash. Just being, you know, just frank. Straight uh, fizz- uh, fizzle. Yeah, it was straight fizzle. I mean, I, I just didn't like the design. I know we talked about in the pre-show how Michael didn't want the award to look like him and he wants the players to see themselves in the award. I just didn't understand, like, just the design, like coming through the rock and, and all of those different things. And I saw they have different design points that are paying homage to to Jordan, but I just thought that, you know, they could have come up with a little bit better better design than that. Um, But I do like Hakeem Olajuwon definitely getting an award after him. I enjoy that. I think he's one of the, when people talk about greatest centers of all time, I think his name gets left out all too often. And he's one of the more underrated superstars, in my opinion, in NBA history. I mean, he was just tremendous. He's my favorite player. He's it, Just going oh, wow. back and watching, yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon is my favorite player. Why are you squinting over there, Fiddy? Love watching Hakeem play. I don't of, know why you have the hate. Of every guy you could choose to watch, mm-hmm. the one guy you're going back to watch is Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem was sick, though, man. You can't really... <laughs> He sounds be, like a 26-year-old yeah, when you, you want to see Fiddy get mad? Tell me you don't know basketball without telling me you don't know basketball. I know more about basketball <laughs> than you could ever dream to know. I've yeah. seen Hakeem footage. Mm-hmm. If, if I could pick anybody that would ever go back and watch, that's the one guy you're picking? I'm just telling well, you. He, he said was that was favorite, his favorite player. Yeah, he's my favorite player. It doesn't mean he's the most exciting. Michael Jordan is still above everybody else as yeah, far as how great exciting. he is. I'd rather watch Pistol Pete Maravich of and Hakeem Olajuwon. Of course you would, because the Pistol Pete Maravich days, those were some of your most favorite basketball days of your right. life. Also, I have a question. Where was the Reggie Miller Choke Artist Award in this in this award list at the NBA event <laughs> today? Well, that Carmelo, would be a I think great they're award. saving for when Anthony's actually out of the league. They're going to give that to Carmelo because he never got out of the Western Conference Finals and even when you're talking about his New York days wasn't able to do anything Zing. with the Knicks so I think Carmelo is going to be the guy that gets that award we'll talk about more of Carmelo Anthony choking coming up next Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ
the song in to Man, the Man, that's my favorite song of the <laughs> 80s right there. 80s, baby. Come on now, take on me. Yeah. It's a little bit different than the other the songs that you were putting in. I'm just glad I, you I finally you I, admitted or right. you recognized my music. Like, you've been harassing me about the music. I've been back here, <laughs> you know, flu, flu game producing, importing yeah. your music, and it took to 145 for you to acknowledge but still better than no, you wait until 248 to acknowledge about Wes or Walker's uh, marathon. I think Wes was acknowledging, yeah. we're going to avoid that comment, but Wes was acknowledging that you were putting <laughs> some music in there by dancing, by getting hyped as soon as we would hop on the mic. He, you just completely yeah. And I brought up it. the fact you were playing 50, 50, and you played two 50 Cent songs. Yeah, you did it. There you go. There's another song. 50 Cent that we coming like. in here? Yeah. Uh, What's up? So, after reporting in my first flash that uh, Kyler Murray may not have torn his ACL, he did, in fact, suffer a season ending torn ACL in the loss last night to the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Okay. So, yeah, that was real quick a roller coaster of emotions regarding <laughs> Kyler Murray's ACL. Let's go to a mailbag segment. People writing in. You can do so as we're answering some of these questions. You can still write in. It is not too late. 704-570-9610. This person wrote in, because I enjoy chaos, if you could live in any Charlotte suburb, where would you live and why would you live there? So all of us can answer this one if you want to. I've lived in Noda before, so I've lived in First Ward, Uptown area. I've lived in Noda. Living in Noda at that age from like, what was it, 25 to 28, that was a lot of fun. So maybe I would just explore that. South End, you can't do. I'm not living in South End right now. It's just way too hectic. Plaza would be kind of cool, but I think I'd just go back to Noda, especially with the way that they've they've brought some new stuff in that area. I think I'm just going back to Noda, even if I've lived there before. I'm a North Side guy, man. Mm-hmm. I've lived on every side of Charlotte except for the South Side. I've never been too fond of the South Side like that. I would mm-hmm. be a North Side guy all day somewhere up in that area, Charlotte, borderline Concord in a, in a nice suburb. So closer to university area, I yes. guess, is that what you're talking yes, about? Not, you, would- you know, deep in the heart. It's been getting a little hot over there. It's just a nice suburb in the North Shore. You want to be close to the mall is what you want to be. Oh, yeah. You already know that. <laughs> Fitty, where would you go? If you could live in a suburb of Charlotte, do you have any clue where you would go? You'd have a hard time getting me out of the streets of historic Monroe. Right. But it has to be Cotswold so I could be close to okay. station legend right. Jim Selenia and, and uh, paint some bricks with him while I listen to the radio. Yeah, okay. okay. Cotswold's right. cool. They got, a, like, what, they have a common market over there or something like that. I don't hang too much Improper in Cotswold. Pig, nice place to eat over oh, there. Some of the best brisket i ever had. There you the go. Bonchon wings. Oh. They got voted the best wings. You know about Bonchon? I do know about Bonchon. Ooh, very good. Yes. yes. Well, that's over there, Park Road, right? The Park yeah. Road area. It's so. right by the Cotswold Shopping Center. So, and that's a great, I mean, that's a great area too where i live right now i really enjoy being over there close to a lot of different restaurants there's um there's a couple different things like right there close to monford now they got rid of south side and i was as a kid i liked going to south side as a college student but mm-hmm. that's no longer r.i.p the south side with the buckets you have you ever been there with the with the trash cans that you would get and it was alcohol that would put you on your ass if you drank <laughs> any more than just one of those things wow no i'm not yes familiar. the trash cans are legendary also jeff Buck shop over there a lot of a lot of craziness will go on over on Montfort Street but that's kind of where 
I am right now. All right, let's go to the next question. Fiddy, we'll ask you this one. Somebody wrote in, who will be UNC's next offensive coordinator? Are there any names atop your wish list that you would like to bring in for offensive coordinator? Is there anybody that you think probably is the favorite to land that job? Garrett Riley is a guy that the program has contacted with. He is the TCU offensive coordinator, and many believe that if he leaves TCU for Carolina, it'll be a head coach in waiting where you know Matt Brown is going to group him, groom him to eventually one day run the program. I still want Graham Harrell. I know his numbers at West Virginia aren't eye-opening, but we have better talent than the Mountaineers. He was on Mac Brown's shortlist when he inter- when he was interviewing candidates four years ago. It would be Graham Harrell, or it would be Cliff Kingsbury if his chachas gets fired. <laughs> Catching strays again. By the way, would you call him a touch if you met him in person at a game? Depends. Depends on his play calls. Yeah. At North Carolina. By the way, also lineage of Mike Leach. Mike Leach coached Graham Harrell at Texas Tech. And so something certainly uh, noteworthy today. Complainer in chief wrote that question in. Myron Goodman, the guy that continues to harass my take about North Carolina, he actually tweeted in or texted in right before we hopped on. Willie P, who hosted Charlotte Sports Today, realistic UNC fans are not as worried as WFNZ is. And he's probably calling me out because of my promo that was running that I was kind of panicked at the beginning of the season for the Tar Heels. And I don't know if my worry is completely negated right. that they beat Georgia Tech. But hopefully I'm wrong, and I'm hoping that North Carolina can bounce back. Not saying they can't. It just worries me a little bit. He wrote in, Walker, who do you think has a better chance of having a successful season or postseason? UNC Hoops or the Carolina Panthers? This one's tough. Carolina's playing a lot better now. I don't know. I mean, success is going to be defined very differently for both of these teams. Is it unsuccessful if Carolina's on the outside of the playoffs looking in? I guess I guess so with the way that Tampa Bay has completely faltered down the line. I think North Carolina is going to get in the big dance. I, I do. I don't know if North Carolina is going to be a top one or two seed based off of the amount of losses that they've already suffered. So if we're talking about North Carolina reaching, what's a successful season for North Carolina basketball? Fiddy, I'll let you define it. It's Final Four or bust. Right. I think the better chance is probably Carolina Panthers getting to the postseason more than the Tar Heel basketball team playing the way they are now, reaching the Final Four. Sweet 16, absolutely. But Final Four right now, still really hard to do. So that's the way I'd answer that. How would you answer that? Yeah, no, I agree with what you guys said. I'm with you. Fiddy, is that a fair take to talk about Tar Heels and Panthers having more faith in Carolina actually reaching the playoffs, which is crazy? Yeah, because the pathway for Carolina winning the division is very visible. There's The good news is there's a lot of time for Carolina basketball to round into a Final Four type of team. That path isn't as visible as the Panthers making the playoffs. All right, here's real Tar Heel writing in. What type of -of out-of-the-box sports do you guys wish you could have done, like professional skiing or something like that? Mm. Try to think what I was good at (laughs) in the -the out-of-the-box sports world. I mean... Oh, I know this off the top of my head. Go ahead. Curling. You're good at curling? You've curled before? Not good at it, but that would be a sport (laughs) that I would most definitely try to perfect. There's nothing I love more than seeing fat bearded guys brush ice while a rock is rolling down some ice. So you made fun of me for like, you're you're making fun of me for watching Hakeem Olajuwon and you want to watch fat bearded guys brush ice. I mean, Yukon Cornelius, if curling would have existed in that movie, would have been the greatest curler of all time. It's true. It's a great pull from you. I will give you credit for that. Is there a sport that comes to mind for you, Wes? Yeah, I would probably uh, say beach volleyball. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I would enjoy that, you know, being out there glistening and sweating and putting that work in. That's what you, you would have glistened. <laughs> I'd have my little visor on with my shades mm-hmm. and, you know, never smile. How good was your vertical back in the day? I mean, at 300, I had like a 29. So it wasn't any Tristan Wirfs type of nah, numbers that you're putting No, but that's not bad. I mean, 300 pounds, you know, 20. No, no, no. No Tristan Wirfs. I'm not on that <laughs> level yet. But uh, no. You know, I dunked in middle school. Yeah. There you go. When I was slim. Okay. You dunked in. That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, I dunked in middle school. Was it a tennis ball? No, no. It was a basketball. I did it actually in front of the coach that cut me. I deserved to be cut. You weren't very good? No, no, no. It wasn't that. Come on now. Well, you, wait. You just told me you deserved to be <laughs> no, cut. No, I got cut because I was being Hollywood at the tryout. Oh. I was acting like I was the man, and okay. then I got cut. All right. I but just didn't know. Just to spite him one day after gym class, I went and dunked the ball before I went into the locker room, and then I just looked at him. That's like Michael Jordan leaving the Bobcats right. practice. <laughs> I think I think for me, um, can we? If it's not it's, it's not a real sport. My my famous. My famous role in any of the drinking games, I'm really good at flip cup, man. I'm a one flipper every single time. So I feel like flip cup would be good. I'm also pretty good at cornhole, so I would say that. Because they, they show that on ESPN all the time. I feel like they've been able to make some money off of that They now. do, yeah. So cornhole, I feel like I'd be pretty good at, especially these days. I think that's the out-of-the-box sport that I would be have good you, at. Speaking of out-of-the-box, have you ever watched some of that stuff on what they call the Ocho? Yes. Yes, the hotel, yeah, and they had they like the it, pizza like, box configuration, the pizza dough, where they try to get it as large as they can without tearing. Like they have some wild. They, oh, and one day they had, you know, me and you hip hop guys, they had, um, I saw the other week on ESPN, one of the channels actually on TV, they had breakdancing competition, oh, world no. breakdancing championship. I'm going to break something. I can't breakdance. There's no way I can Yeah, they it. had a world breakdancing championship. I watched it for about 15 minutes. All right, you can ask us some more questions, <laughs> and we can put them in throughout the show. 704-570-9610. It's the 2 o'clock hour. Coming up next, Wes and, Was- uh, Wes and Walker, Sports <laughs> Radio 92.7 WFNZ.